Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Today we're on episode number three. Last week we talked about forgiving people. You know, we forgive people because God forgave us. And so this week we're in this title of the message that's called The God Grudge. And so today we're asking the hard question, what do you do when you hold a grudge against God? You know, if we're going to be honest and transparent with each other, we sometimes hear amazing stories of how God did great things through people. He did a miracle, he delivered, he healed, but we're still waiting for our deliverance, our healing, and our miracle. And of course, we love hearing those stories, but it seems like other people get the miracle and other people get the deliverance and other people get the healing and we're still waiting for ours. Or maybe you've been faithful to God in your offering, in your giving, in your tithing, and you're still struggling with paying your bills. Maybe, you know, you and your girlfriend found the right person or at least you thought you found the right person and you know it. And then it seemed like trouble was coming your way and maybe this was not the right person. And you both decided that this is going to be not the right move for yourselves. And you both broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And then your friend, you know, a week later, they found the greatest person ever. He looked like Henry Cavill, you know, from Superman. And he was amazing and he was an amazing Christ follower. And things just worked out for her. And it's amazing. And they're getting married next week. And things are just amazing for her. But you broke up along with her in in 2015. And you're still waiting for your Superman. And the only date you've had for the last few weekends is Netflix. What do you do when you struggle with things and it seems like God is not doing something in your life the same way he's doing in someone else's life? What do you do when you feel like God has let you down? That baby that you've been praying for, that child that you hoped for, still has not happened. That engagement that you thought would be coming next year, well, it doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. Maybe that loved one that you prayed for who was really sick, you prayed and you believed, and instead of them getting better, they got sick and they passed away. You know, a lot of times we feel disappointed with God when it does not seem like God does or do something according to what we desire him to do. And we prayed and we asked and we we interceded, but it did not seem like it worked out. Maybe you are mad at God. Maybe you hold a grudge and you want to trust God and you want to continue to lean into him. And you ask these questions, why would God do that? Why wouldn't God answer our prayer? Why wouldn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't he do it for me the same way he did it for someone else? And maybe the truth of the matter is this. You've been really angry with God. You've been upset at him. And you've been holding a God grudge. Now, technically speaking, we don't need to forgive God because God does not sin. He never does anything wrong. Actually, he doesn't go out of his way to harm anyone. But it sometimes feels like God did not do for us the same way he did for someone else. How do we go on 
Stop playing the blame game. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming other people. How do we let something go? How do we reconcile these ill feelings we have against God and learn to begin to trust him again? Well, today I want to take you to this amazing example that we find in the Old Testament and comes to us from the book of First Samuel. And so it starts off, you know, this amazing story by this man named Elkanah. And Elkanah was a man that had two wives, Hannah and Penina. And for those of you who are thinking, wow, that's awesome, two wives, I guarantee you have not been married before because having one wife is more than enough. And the reality is that this man was a God-fearing man. You know, he worshipped God. And his name actually means, Elkanah actually means, God has created a son. And so, you know, he knew from a very young age when they'd call him, like most Hebrew names, they actually mean something. And so when they go around calling him Elkanah, he knew that he was going to have a son. And so when he married Hannah, the natural inclination was that he believed that God was going to bless him with a son. But of course, Hannah could not conceive. Hannah could not have any children. And many believe, many scholars believe that that's why Elkanah got a second wife, because Hannah could not conceive. And so you would think that everything would go smoothly, but there wasn't. There was this incredible rivalry that existed in this household. There was constant conflict between Hannah and Penina. It wasn't a smooth household by any means. There was all this tension that existed in this house. Hannah, of course, could not bear any children. And in that culture, not having the ability to have children was considered a failure. And so it brought great shame upon Hannah. She considered herself useless. So that's what she probably had. She had all of this internal dialogue that she had to wrestle with, not feeling worthwhile, not feeling like she was any good. You know, she felt she was worthless because she could not produce a child. She could not produce any children. And she could not give Elkanah what God had called him to be a man, to have a son. And so the interesting thing to know is that Hannah, her name actually meant favored by God. And at this point, she did not feel favored at all. In fact, she felt like God had forgotten about her because she was desperate to have a son or a child by any means, and that did not seem to be happening. And so she did not feel very favored by God. You know, and the scripture tell us that each year Elkanah took his family, they went on, you know, a holiday, they would go down to this place called Shiloh, where they would worship God, they would sacrifice according to the Hebrew tradition. And on the way there, you know, not only in the house, but on the way to this destination, Penina took the opportunity to throw shade at Hannah, to constantly berate her, to constantly put her down, to actually make her feel less than nothing. And so the scripture tells us in verse 6, So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. You know, all of us have been in a situation where we've been taunted and we've been put down or made fun of. And it doesn't feel good by any stretch of the imagination. It doesn't feel good to our own self-esteem. 
But worse than that, and I want you to pay attention to this because this is the most hurtful part of the scripture. It says this in verse 7, year after year, it was the same. So this was not just one year or two years. It was an ongoing instance. Every year, you know, Elkanah would take his family down to Shiloh. And every year on the journey there to worship God, Penina would taunt berate and humiliate Hannah. And so you can feel Hannah's pain because it said year after year it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went down to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. And so, you know, Elkanah had these two wives in his house. Hannah, of course, was a sweet, godly character. She loved the Lord. She was faithful to the Lord. She honored God. She did everything in her life to please God. And then you had Penina, you know, and Penina is often portrayed in this version. Another version of scripture, it says it referred to Penina as Hannah's adversary. And so you can see that there was this tension. She was cruel. She was vicious. She provoked Hannah. She shamed her and she insulted her. And I want you to understand the scripture actually says because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Her rival, talks about Penina, provoked her in order to irritate her. It was like a stab, you know, someone constantly poking you and stabbing you and that irritation there constantly in your background. You can't get away from it because where's Hannah supposed to go? She lived in Elkanah's house. And here you had Panana with all of these rugrats running around with her kids, you know. And so even looking at those kids would be a shame for Hannah because it was evidence to her that God had not allowed her to have children. And it seemed that according to the text, God chose to close Hannah's womb. And I want you to understand Hannah's pain. Why, she would question God, why would God answer Penina's prayer? Why would God bless Penina? Why would God bless her with children and not Hannah? God could have given Hannah a child, but he didn't. And like Hannah, some of us, you know, we've been praying, I'm faithful God and I'm honest and I'm, you know, being here and doing things for you and I'm honoring you in my life and I'm a good person because I'm serving you and I love you and I worship you and I'm showing up every Sunday and I'm giving to you and I'm doing what's right and it doesn't seem like I'm getting through. I've prayed and I've believed and I've waited and I've prayed and I've waited and I've believed and I've believed and I've waited and I've prayed and it just does not seem like anything is changing and this is how Hannah felt year after year nothing year after year of honoring God nothing year after year of going up to worship nothing maybe you can relate to this there's something in your life that maybe you've been praying for and you've been asking God for and it does not seem like it's come to pass maybe you've prayed for that thing and nothing has happened. And maybe you've asked God for healing, and that healing has not come to pass as of yet. And maybe you've begged God for the depression to go away. You've begged God to remove all of these ill feelings in your life. And you've prayed, God, remove this from my life because it's pulling me down. It's leading me down a bad part. And you have to fight every single day. And it doesn't seem like there's any breakthrough happening right there. This trial just won't go away. Your marriage is still bad and you've been praying 
year after year. You're still struggling financially and you're believing God for deliverance. You still feel alone even though you've prayed for God to bring someone into your life. Where do you go when it feels like your prayers are not being answered? And you begin to question God, don't you? We struggle with that, and that's this thing. Sometimes we have this feeling, God, why are you not answering me? Why don't you even care? Aren't you, don't you even care what's happening to me? Do you even hear my prayer? I've been praying, I've been believing, I've been waiting, and why don't you answer? Why don't you do something? You know, I want to talk about Hannah's husband, Elkanah, for a moment. Generally, we understand that Elkanah was a good man, you know. But like most men, sometimes we have this thing called foot-in-mouth disease, where we say things that we don't intentionally mean to say, or we accidentally blur things out of our mouth that we don't think about, and we often think about them later and go, that probably wasn't the best thing to say, you know. Ever come to your wife and say to her, you know what, honey, what did you do for your hair, to your hair? That's probably not the best thing to say. You know, one of the most explosive questions that I've ever been asked, and maybe you can identify with this, is when your wife or your girlfriend says to me, honey, do you think I look fat in this dress? Like, what is the right answer to that question? Yes or no? Like, you know, if a dude said that to me, hey, do I look you know, fat in this shirt? My answer would be, dude, it's not the shirt that makes you look fat, it's the fat. But it's not something you would say to your wonderful wife. So the best answer, men, is... Honey, you look amazing in anything because you're just awesome looking. That's the best answer. It doesn't matter what the shirt or the dress looks like. They look amazing. Let me help you out there. Anyway, Alcana, he loves his wife. He loves Hannah. It's not that he didn't love Hannah. He actually loves Hannah with all of his heart. But sometimes he says something stupid. Like all men, he says stupid things, you know. And so when you look at the scripture, you know, Hannah's going through this tremendous depression. She's going through this pain of not having the ability to have children. And more than that, she has this adversary in her household that provokes her, taunts her, humiliates her, and shames her. And so Elkanah, of course, he thinks he's trying to help his wife, and he wants to be helpful, and he loves her. And so in verse 8, he says, Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted? Just because you have no children. You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? And the next verse it says, So Hannah got up and punched him in his stupid face. Actually, no, it doesn't say that. That's probably what happened. Or Hannah got really upset and walked away. That's probably why she didn't eat. That was a stupid thing to say. Obviously, she loves you, but she wants to have kids, you know. That's her heart desire. She would make her feel like a mother. would make her feel like she's brought something of worth into life. But she's struggling with that. Hannah was trying to love God. Hannah was trying to serve God. Hannah was doing everything in her life to be faithful and be consistent and be there and do what was required. But yet she had this humiliation and pain that was a constant cloud over her life. And the one thing she wants, the one thing she wants in her life to have a child, it seems like God was withholding it. And so it says her rival would make her miserable. And her husband had this foot and mouth disease. He was saying things 
that are probably not the best thing to say. So where do you go now when you're struggling with this in your own house? And so Hannah went to the only place she knew how. She knew that the only place she could go to that would have the answers is back to God. She knew that she didn't understand what God was doing, but she knew that she had to go to him. And so Hannah unloaded on God. She did not understand why she couldn't have a child, but she knew that the one place that would have the answer, and that is God. And that's where she went. And so verse 9 says, Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, who was the priest of the temple at that time, Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish. She was in pain here. She was crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. You know, this humiliation, you know, uh, inadvertent husband saying stupid things and all she wanted for was a kid. She loved her husband, but she wanted a child. And so she begins to pour her heart out to God. She cries bitterly. She worshiped God and she starts to cry. God, why is this happening? And so here's what I want to let you know. God can handle your hurt. God understands your pain. God knows when you go to deep pain and suffering. He is not absent from your life. He knows it. You look at David and you look at Jeremiah and you look at Jesus. When all of them went through pain, they ran straight to God. God understands our pain. God welcomes your questions. He's not a God that says just blindly go to things and don't ask me any questions. He welcomes your questions. And here's what's really important. Rather than walk away, he gives you full license to come and unload at him. Rather, he would rather have you yell in his face and scream at him than you walk away. And that's what Hannah does. Hannah tells God, God, I'm desperate. Give me a son. Give me a child, and if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And so as she was praying in this place of of profound pain and suffering, you know, the priest looks on and he says, you know, this woman must be drunk because she's standing there and her lips are moving, but there's no words coming out of her mouth because she was praying, praying silently to the Lord. And he says to her, you're drunk, put away your wine. And she says, no, 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 your honor, I'm not drunk. I'm in deep sorrow. I'm in deep pain. I'm crying out to the Lord in my desperation. And Eli says, you know what? Go in peace. May God grant you your request. And so she leaves the temple. But yet, I want you to understand, nothing happens. Nothing has changed. She still didn't miraculously get a child. God didn't appear out of the heavens and light shine down and say, Hannah, you know, I've answered your prayer. Everything is going to work out. Everything is going to be fine. It's all going to be great in the end. None of that happened. She went away in the same state she was. She poured out her heart to God. But when she left, she went back to the same situation. Elkanah still saying stupid things. Penina still taunting, humiliating, and irritating her. And I want you to understand this. Just because you don't see God doing something does not mean that God is not doing something behind the scene. God was going to do something amazing through Hannah. God's silence does not equate to his apathy. 
Hannah continues to hold on to her faith. She continues to trust God. She continues to believe God. She does not give up on God. She does not understand why. She does not comprehend why this is happening to her. But she does not walk away from God. And so you see that in the next few verses. It says in verse 19, The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Hannah was desperate, but that didn't stop her from trusting God. That didn't stop her from worshiping God. And I can identify with that. I'm sure some of you can. There's been deep seasons of pain and frustration in your life. There's been seasons in my life where I have not understood what God is doing. I have not comprehended why I'm in this situation. I don't even look at it in the same way that God does, and I'm struggling with comprehending why God allows certain things, or why does God choose to do this, but that has not stopped me from coming and giving God worship. I've worshipped God with tears streaming down my eyes. i worship God and said, God, I do not understand what's happening in this situation. I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen. I don't understand why that person continues to be able to do this. I don't understand why this is happening to me, and other people seem to have gotten an easy answer. I do not understand, but I worship you. I worship you because I know there's no other place that I can go to that has the answer. There's no other place that I can go to that will give me as much comfort. There's no other place I can run to where I'm embraced and loved in the same way. And what I want you to understand is a waiting season is not a wasteful season. A waiting season isn't a wasted season. And so it says, and then, then they returned home and they continued on this journey you know, that would have taken a long time to get there. And while Hannah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. Understand this principle. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Hannah gives birth to this amazing child called Samuel. And if you don't know anything about scripture, Samuel is one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. He goes on to do amazing things. He anoints kings. He speaks for God. He does marvelous works for God. And I'm sure Hannah would have been so proud of this amazing child named Samuel. She had to wait, but I guarantee you she would not have traded that for anything. He would be an amazing man of God. What's amazing also is that Penina had many children, but there's no record in the text of anything of Penina's children. There's nothing significant that they went on to do. They're just born, they're mentioned, and that's the end of their sort of narrative in the scripture. We don't know anything about them, but we have Samuel's great history to rest upon. Samuel, who does amazing things. Hannah trusted and waited on God, and God did great things through her. And understand this, a delay is not a denial. A pause is not a prohibition. When you can't see God doing something, he's still doing something behind the scenes. I don't have to see it to know it. We have to learn to trust him 
even in the season of dryness, your season of pain is going to turn into your season of breakthrough. So in the meantime, trust God and lean into him. Trust God and lift up your hands and worship him. It's in the waiting that you don't have to give up. It's in the dry season that you don't walk away. It's in the delay, but don't give up in God. So maybe some of us, maybe some of us have been struggling with this because we don't understand how things work out easily for someone else and we have to struggle. Maybe you've been holding a grudge against God because you've prayed and you've asked and you've waited and it feels like you're still in the valley of the shadow of death. I want to encourage you and let you know that just because you can't see what's going to happen in the future does not mean that God is not going to do something great for you, through you, and in you. God is always going to do something for you. He is an amazingly faithful God. And so, what do we do when God doesn't answer when we want to? We trust Him. What do we do when it feels like everything works out for someone else and we're still waiting? We worship him. What do we do when we feel like we're dry in this dry desert and there's so much oasis all around us? We trust God is leading us to a better place than where we are now. Continue to choose to trust him. Believe in him because he's not done with you yet and just because there is a delay does not mean that there has been a denial hannah is a great example of someone who went through tremendous suffering and pain because she could not understand why she had to go through this but in the end she gave birth to an amazing child named samuel and your samuel is in your future. Your blessing is in your future. Don't give up on God because God has not given up on you. So what do you do when you hold a grudge? We have to learn to let it go and hold on to who God is. His character helps enable us to trust him through the difficult seasons where we can't comprehend what he's doing. Because he's never failed. He's never done evil to us. He means us to do, he means to do good in our life. And he prepares a great future for us. And he's never failed yet. So let's trust him, even when we don't understand what's happening. And so for some of us, as I said before, we might have held this grudge. But let's let it go right now. Let's not hold on to things that we feel like God has slighted us. And let's trust him because he's going to do an amazing work through you and through me. So wherever you are and whatever you're feeling right now, I want to pray for you, because I know God is preparing a great future for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we want to thank you and worship you. We might not comprehend everything and every single nuance of how you move or when you move but lord we trust you because you mean good to us you work all things according to your will and all things work for good 
to them that love God and are called according to your purpose. We trust you in the difficult seasons. We trust you in the dry seasons. We trust you through the heartaches and through the pain that you will do something amazing because that is in your nature and that is who you are. So God, we honor you and we bless you. We lift you up and we worship you right now. With the words of the psalmist, we give you all glory and all praise. There's so many times that David went through heartache, but he chose to turn his pain into worship. There's so many times that Jeremiah was left in anguish, but he chose to fix his eyes upon you and not his situation. Even Jesus, Lord, your blessed son, in the midst of the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was contemplating that heavy cross, his prayer was not my will be done, but let your will be done. In the same manner, Lord, we want to pray the same prayer. Lord, let your will be done in our lives. We trust you that you will help us navigate through the difficult seasons to bring us out on your promise on the other end. So we thank you, we honor you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.